So this week, I've been so excited to get to this moment in time right now. And even as I was preparing a little bit, just putting the finishing polish in, of it up last night, I'm like so so excited. And I, I post on Facebook this morning as I'm getting ready. It's like, can 11 o'clock get here already? Because I'm just so excited. Have you guys ever noticed that cars are reviewed by one standard, pretty much. I mean, you get all the details of all the specs and all this stuff, but what does it come down to? What does every car enthusiast want to know? How fast does it go, right? And what's the standard that they measure that by? Zero to 60. Have you guys ever heard that? It's like, how fast can this car get from zero to 60 miles an hour? So in Wikipedia, or Google actually, it came up that 0 to 60 is the standard. The time that it takes to accelerate from 0 to 60 miles per hour is commonly used as a performance measure for automotive acceleration in the United States. The 2016 AMZ Gremsel electric race car can get from 0 to 60 in 1.5 seconds. That's amazing. You know how fast that is? It's like, there, it's at 60. You know, it's like, boom. The 2015 Infinity Formula One Red Bull can go from 0 to 60 in 1.7. The 2011 Lamborghini can go from 0 to 60 in 2.4 seconds. That's just unbelievable. Now, how many of you know my car will get up to 62? But it's going to take a lot more seconds than 1.5, 1.7, 2.4. But that's the measure that it looks at. So I want us to keep that as a framework in the back of our mind. And we're going to come back to that in the very end. I have, a, I have a test for you guys. And I just want to ask you, if you don't know, that's fine. But I want us to start getting in the habit of, of knowing this. What are the four tenets of our church? What is Church on the Rock all about? So if somebody asks you, hey, what's Church on the Rock believe? What are they all about? There's four of them. Can anybody tell me any of the four? Anybody? Okay, so when you came in this morning, if you were given a worship guide, which there's no one giving them out this morning, so you weren't given one, but if you were, they're in the inside the worship guide. If you come to the growth track, you'll hear it's in the growth track. If you see on the sign that we're going to have up on the wall, it's in the sign. The four things are what we're wanting to push. That's what we want everyone to know. So here they are. You ready? Number one, we want you to know God. Anybody now is like, oh, I know what he's talking about now. Number two, we want you to find freedom. Number three, we want you to discover your purpose. And number four, we want you to make a difference. Now, has everyone heard that? Now that he's like, oh, yeah, I've heard that before. I've seen that. It's been around. That is the four tenets. Those are the anchors of our church. You can't go anywhere in a relationship with God until you know him. All right? You can't get really where you're wanting to go in life as long as you've got your, your glasses all muddied with your yesterday. That's where you find freedom. You just clean everything off so you can see clearly your future. And then you can discover your purpose and find out why was I born? Why was I put here on this earth? And then once you figure out all of that, you're here to make a difference. Those are the four tenets that we have. I want to bounce, bounce back into the message we had. Of course, we had the missionary here last week. So excited about having them last week. But the week before that, I'm going to kind of, this is like the 2.0, the continuation of that. Not really. It's got to stand on its own a lot too. But I want you to think about a sower 
And Jesus even gave a parable about a sower who sowed the seeds, and he sowed some on stony ground, and some had um, thorns in it, and it just grew up, and it got choked out, and all the water was taken by the, by the thorns and the weeds and all the terrible things. And I'm having flashbacks of when I was a kid and having to pull weeds during the summer and all the times that weeds grow. And um, I can't get distracted with that. But, you know, there's just different things, different types of soil. But the interesting thing I want us to look at is the sower didn't go, oh, that's stony ground. I'm not going to throw any there. Oh, there's weeds over here. I'm not going to throw any over there. Let me find the perfect place. I'm just going to hoard all of my seed. The sower sowed the seed in the parable of Jesus everywhere. I encourage you to go and read the story of that. But the sower sowed on all different types of soil. It didn't stop him because how he would judge how the soil was going to respond. Are you with me? Now, my dad had some favorite jokes when, he was, when I was growing up. And I tried last week when he was here to, to, to get back with him like, hey, dad, I want to make sure I tell this accurately. And he couldn't remember it, so he can't criticize me if I tell it wrong. But he told me a joke, and I, I loved it. And every time you get around somebody new, I could tell that we were going towards this joke, and it still made me laugh. It's probably going to make me laugh again. But this Aggie, of course, if you're in Texas, you have Aggie jokes. This Aggie wanted to raise turkeys. So he went and bought a whole bunch of turkeys, and then he went and dug a ditch in his field, and he buried the turkeys, and just their necks sticking up. Of course, what happened in a few weeks, the turkeys are dead, not that long. So he's like, oh man, what am I doing wrong? So he sent a, a, a letter, now it would be an email to A&M, and said, hey, I'm, I'm wanting to raise turkeys, and what am I doing? They're like, well, this is what I did. I put them in there, I buried them up to the neck, and, and, and they died. He's like, well, try putting them in head first this time. So he went and bought a whole bunch more turkeys, they dug another ditch, and he put them in their head first, so little feet are sticking out of the top, and of course, you know what happened, they died. So he wrote back to A&M again. They're like, well, I did this, and I did this. And A&M was scratching their head, and they're like, well, send me a soil sample. Well, you know, you guys didn't laugh at all. I thought that, that was so funny. Growing up, maybe it's because there was, a, you know, dad jokes. But it's not about the soil when you're doing it all wrong. But the sower sows the seed that does not go over it all like I was hoping it was going to. But that's all right. We were in Encounters, um, a ministry with the Hispanic Church um, in Florida, and we got the opportunity to take that weekend encounter up to Michigan and to Wisconsin. And the first time we traveled out, there was a lady that was more experienced in doing it than us, and she came to us, and she goes, okay, now listen to me. She goes, when you're ministering to these people and you see God's touching them and you can see they're crying, they got snot running out of their nose and, you know, they're just all emotional. She goes, your inclination is going to be to gravitate to them because you're going to think, oh, God's doing something good over there. Let me go get to be a part of that. But you're going to see somebody else over here that's doing this. And it's just like, why am I still here checking the time? And she said, don't discount what God is doing in that person. You see the kind of common thread here? You can't tell what that soil is like. You can't tell what's going on in their life. 
And I'm like, wow, I've never heard that. Because I would have naturally, and I think you're probably like me, if I see somebody that's like stonewalling me and giving me the evil eye and doing all this stuff, it'd be like, okay, I'm just going to stay over here and you can be over there. And it's between you and Jesus if it all works out. But you see, the sower kept sowing seeds everywhere he went. He wasn't saying, hey, that guy over there doesn't look like he wants to hear anything about what I have to say. She over there, oh man, I don't think any of that. Our scripture two weeks ago, we were talking the story about the woman at the well. And if you'll turn your Bible with me to John chapter 4, we're going to start in verse 3 and go to verse 17. We're going to read the story again, but we're going to read the parts that I left out last week, or two weeks ago. And then we're going to tie it all together. But as you'll remember, Jesus was going from Judea to Galilee, and one's up here and one's down here. And it says in verse 4, he had to go through Samaria on the way. Samaria was right in the middle of it. Now, the Jews hated Samaritans. They couldn't stand them. It'd be like some of the racial things that we have going on today. But they would literally take extra days to go around Samaria to get from Judea to Galilee. But Jesus said, hey, I'm not going to avoid what everybody hates, and those people that are prejudiced against them, I actually am going to go through Samaria on my way. Verse 5, eventually came to the Samaritan village and near the field that Jacob gave his son. So it's a, it's a historical place that they know of. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired from a long walk, sat wearily beside the well about noontime. So a Samaritan woman came to draw to water, And Jesus said to her, please give me a drink. Now, as we read this, and I kind of went in this a little bit last time. As we read this, it's just like, okay, it's noon. It's almost noon right now. You might be thirsty. The sun's out. You go to the well, and there's a chick there. She's drawing out water. Say, hey, I'm thirsty. Give me a drink. It means nothing to us. But in their culture, the only time the women would go to the well was early in the morning and late in the evening. So if she went at another time, it's because she's trying to avoid something. So it's speculated, and we'll see more about her in the story as it goes on, that she led a life that was not what all the other women liked, that she maybe even was having relations with their husbands. Because it goes on to say that she had five husbands, and the guy she's with now wasn't even her husband. So there's some thought that she had been around, if you're kind of getting what I'm saying. And she had a lifestyle that people would kind of like shy away from and go, oh, well, that's, you know, that's her over here, okay? So she went at noontime to avoid all the other women who were talking about her. Anybody know anybody like situations like that? You just look at them and go, oh, I don't want to talk about them. Well, look at her. Did you see what she's wearing today? I can't believe. Oh, I can't believe she did this. She wanted to avoid all that mess. So she came when she knew no one else would be at the well. When you put that in context, it makes a difference. So Jesus was tired. He sat wearily beside the well about noontime. Verse 7, soon a Samaritan woman came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, please give me a drink. He was alone at the time because the disciples had gone into the village to buy some food. The woman was surprised, for Jews refused to have anything to do with the Samaritans. Remember, they'd walk all the way around the entire nation just to avoid them. She said to Jesus, you're a Jew, and I'm a Samaritan woman. Why are you asking me for a drink? Jesus replied to her, If you only knew the gift God has for you 
and who you're speaking to, you would ask of me, and I would give you living water. See, Jesus turned it from being, hey, I'm thirsty and I'm tired because I have this long drive, this long journey I'm doing. And he, he, he turns it into ministry. He turns it into her. It's now not about I'm thirsty as Jesus. He's now turning back to her and saying, if you only could recognize what is going on in front of you, the gift God has for you. Can I tell you? I'll say the same thing is still true today. If you could recognize the gift that God has for you, you would ask him, and he would give you living water. Verse 11, but sir, you don't have a rope or a bucket. He just switched to spiritual, and she's still over on, where's your rope and your bucket? How are you going to get into that well? You don't have any of this. She totally missed what Jesus was saying. Easy enough to do. She goes on to say, and this well is very deep. And where would you go to get this living water? She's like thinking it's a, you know, special kind of water. Okay, this is the now smart water they got down at 7-Eleven. All right, where am I going to get this? And besides, do you think you're greater than our ancestor Jacob who gave us this well? She has no idea who she's talking to. And how can you offer better water than he and his sons and his animals enjoyed? And she's switching it into the, the, the thing that caused division between the Jews and the Samaritans. She just went right into that thing that separated them. It's like, well, how can you say this? And why do you think you're going to get better water than him? And he had this. And Jesus replied again, verse 13, anyone who drinks this water will soon become thirsty again. This water. If you're just looking for the natural things, tomorrow you're going to be thirsty again. If you're just going to try and live in the world and try and do one more day what the world does. If you're just going to do one more day of what everybody else around me is doing, that what I know I've always done, then tomorrow you're still going to be thirsty again. Verse 14. But those who drink the water I will give them will never be thirsty again. We have to drink from what God has for us. We have to say, God, you have this great thing. I have to recognize what you have placed in front of me. I have to drink. I have to partake of it. And it's a fresh and bubbling spring within them. See, it's within you. When God comes and lives inside of you, it comes within you, giving them eternal life. Can you see? He's not talking about water. Which I wish I had some. Mike, Andrew, one of you, would you give me some water? <laughs> that I didn't plan that, but that's kind of funny. <sighs> Verse 15. She's not too... Um, it may take her a minute to catch up, but it, she caught on pretty quickly. And she said, please, sir, give me this water. Andrew, give me this water. Thank you. I'm sorry for drinking in front of you. I need all the help I can get. That I will never be thirsty again. Can I suggest to you the people that are around us, perhaps even you, they may be tired and thirsty of everything they've been trying to do it on their own. And when you offer them that living water, something's just going to bubble up inside of them. That knowing God, that finding freedom, discovering your purpose, that just bubbles up inside of you. And when you can go the fourth step and make a difference in somebody's life, 
give me this water. So Jesus says to her, verse 16, go and get your husband. Jesus already knew everything that's going on in her life. And she goes, um, yeah, about that. Um, verse 17, I, I, I don't have a husband. And Jesus goes on to say, and this is what we kind of picked up two weeks ago. If you didn't hear, you can go listen to it on the app that Andrew talked about. You can go listen to our podcast. And we, I just looked at the stats. We're on a new thing now, and I can see the stats of whatever. We've had 247 people listen to our podcast in the last two weeks. It's just kind of amazing how God is just, there's more people doing stuff outside these walls that are happening in here. But go listen to the podcast of two weeks ago, and you'll hear all the details of that. But Jesus says, yeah, you don't have a husband because you've had five husbands. And the guy you're shacking up with now is not your husband. And we gave some observations of how that could all be and not throw any shame or judging on her at all in any way, shape, or form. We don't know what her life was like. But Jesus called her out and said, yeah, what you said is true. It's not. And she goes, oh, I perceive you're a prophet. You think? I mean, Jesus came up and read her mail. She's like, oh. She goes on to say, immediately she changes the subject from when he says, hey, I want to talk to your husband. I want to get involved in your life, in your family's life. He was saying, go get him. Bring him to me. See, it wasn't, Jesus wasn't satisfied with just helping her with living water. He said, go get your family and bring your family. She's like, I don't have family. But he's like, yeah, I know, because you've done all this other stuff. Then she goes back into the thing that they have controversy over. It says, well, you know, we think you should worship on this mountain, and you go Jews think we should worship over here. See, she couldn't handle the pressure of it being personal and looking at her, and somebody's reading her mail and saying, yeah, you've been with five guys, and the guy you're with now is not your husband. She's like, let's get the focus off of me. Let's talk about these mountains over here. Jesus continued to talk to her, and she left her bucket, and she ran back to town. And she told everyone, it says, go read it for yourself. Come see a man who told me everything about me, everything I've ever done. Can I suggest to you, she knew about God because she could talk about that mountain. She could talk about the controversies that were going on. 78% of Plano, as of the 2010 um, census, we're almost there again. It'll be interesting to see the changes. 78% of Plano, right where we're at, are not churched. Can I suggest to you they think they know about God? They can have some religious conversation. They can have this dialogue with you that's up to your 50,000 feet view of, well, yeah, what do you think about this? And what do you think about that? And, and you have this big thing. But when it gets personal, they don't know God. They know about God. That's where that woman was. But you see, people around here may know about God from their parents, from their grandparents. Maybe their grandparents took them to church. And when they got to college, they stopped. Maybe a neighbor or a friend from school or whatever. They only know what they've heard and they have this perception about God, but they don't know God. Then she came, the woman at the well, she came to find freedom. All the four tenants that we got, man, is in this story. Jesus told her, hey, I'm interested in what your life has been. And she finds freedom in what Jesus is saying. Then her purpose became revealed. She went back because she knew everybody. She came back and said, come, 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 look. I want you to meet this guy. And can't you just see him? Yeah, I bet you met another guy. What's his name? 
you met all these other guys. Yeah, we know that. All the women are like, uh-huh. Whose husband is that? You know, but she's like, no, come. And they could tell by the life that it had been changed. And she's not the same woman that they had judged before. She found freedom. Her purpose was revealed. And she came back saying, come see this man. But what about the bucket? She left her bucket there. She became the bucket. Jesus says, I'm going to give you living water. The water, she's like, where's the bucket? You don't even have a rope or a bucket. She became the bucket. Because what he wanted to do in that whole area, she was the one who carried that. God filled her up and she went running into town. Remember in the story, she left her bucket and ran to town. She became the bucket. She's the one holding everything that God wanted to do for that whole region. She became the bucket. She carried what she'd just been given by Jesus to all those she knew. She made a difference. She made the Bible. Can you imagine? She, with her checkered past, where people are like, what about her? She made the Bible. The woman with five failed marriages living a guy who wasn't her husband, all the speculation about her occupation and her bad choices in life. She came to the well when she knew she wouldn't run into any of the other women of the town. God chose her to change that whole town. Today's Pentecost Sunday. That's when Jesus was crucified and resurrected. And this many days after Easter, when we celebrate Easter or Passover, then Jesus showed up and the Holy Spirit was revealed. And 3,000 people were brought into the church, the new local church, because of what God did in them. They didn't just hold it up in that 120 in the upper room and go, oh, this is really cool. We're just going to start a little church. Hey, block those doors. We don't want anybody else in here. No, they had so much inside of them what God had done inside of them. And the power imparted to them with the Holy Spirit. They said, I can't stay in here anymore. Can that be us? So zero to 60. And we started with that. That's how we measure in the automobile world. But can I challenge you? Can we look at that for us, for just Church on the Rock? We're just going to draw our circle. Where you're setting, can you draw that circle for yourself? And instead of zero to 60, can we do zero to 100? But I'm not talking about 100. That's 100 people. I'm not looking to fill 100 seats in this. I'm believing for way more than 100. Can we do zero to 100? I'm not even talking about 100 bucks. It's going to cost way more than that. Honestly, what God wants to do is going to cost way more than even the tithing. So I'm not talking about 100 people. I'm not talking about 100 bucks. I'm not talking about chairs or programs. There will be both of those. But can I suggest to you, can we start looking at being 100%, zero from where I'm at today to 100% of how God uses me to be the bucket? how God uses you to be the bucket. I have several friends who were in jail recently within the last several weeks, months. Choices that they made that weren't... We all make mistakes. I saw someone's Facebook post this week. It says, don't 
judge other people because they sin different than you do. We all sin, okay? But we want to like, oh, well, look at your sins over there. You ended up in jail. I'm just lucky you didn't catch me, all right? All right, so I'm not throwing any shade their way. But they came face to face with reality in jail. They don't play in jail. When I was a deputy, my wife went on a ride along with me one time. I wish I'd taken her more, but one time. We took this girl to jail. She very much deserved to be there as well. And so as we're processing her, there's another girl in one of the holding cells, and she was freaking out. Lenora's like tapping me out. She goes, honey, she's having a problem. You need to go let her out. And I'm like, no. She's like, no, 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 no. I'm starting to get claustrophobic because, you know, she's getting claustrophobic. You need to go there. I'm like, this is jail. They don't let you out because you're having a difficult day. But what if those friends that were in jail looked and said, man, I made some mistakes. I had some past sins. I had some past. I had some things. But rather than letting those things define me, while I'm even in jail, I'm going to say, hey, who is here needs to know about my God? Who in jail can I be that living water to bring to and say, have you met this man? God wants to change your life. He wants you to know him. He wants you to find freedom. He wants you to discover why you're here. He wants you to make a difference. The four tenets of who we are. What if they turn their past, their mistakes? What if I turn my past and my mistakes, just like that woman. See, because can I suggest to you, we are the well. You are the bucket, okay? We, Church on the Rock, this church, this building, that's the well. That's where we can come to get the living water, okay? It doesn't have to be here, but can I suggest to you in this analogy, we are the well, but you are the bucket, Everybody's going to go home and say, hey, what'd you learn in church today? Pastor said, I'm a bucket. <laughs> yeah, it's not going to come across the same way. You got to hear in context, all right? But you're the bucket. But Jesus is a living water. If you just come to this building and you don't ever touch Jesus, then you're just wasting your time. If I try and give you what I've got inside of me, it's not going to help nobody. I, I can't even help myself. But we're the well as a church. You're the bucket. You can bring it to those people around you. But Jesus is the living water. I said all that to say this. God has really been just challenging me that what he wants to do in this area is not limited to just conventional church. That we say, okay, well, let's just hope that maybe somebody else comes next week. Maybe next week we'll have another visitor and maybe they'll come back the next week. And then maybe in five or six years we'll outgrow this room. And then maybe we'll do that. He's like, no, there's so much. Remember at the end of the last week, he said, look up because the whole town was coming out from that woman. When she went into the town, says, Kyle, you got to see. They saw what happened in her and they wanted to go see this man. They had no clue who Jesus was. The people you're going to talk to, they have no clue who Jesus was, who he is, who he really is. They don't know what it's going to be like to know God, to really know God. Not to be all this fake stuff that everyone thinks it is. This is what I believe God's calling us to do. So I'm saying it's way bigger than 100 people. It's way bigger than 100 bucks. Very soon, possibly even... Within the next couple of weeks, we're going to start a Saturday night service. 
Because there's a lot of people who say, I can't come because of work on Sunday morning. There are people who say, I just can't wake up at that time of the day. I am right there with you. If it wasn't for the grace of God, I would not be here on an hour, hour and a half of sleep last night. We're going to start a Saturday night service. It's going to be really scaled down. No worship team, unless the worship team decides they want to start coming with us. That's all good. But it, we'll just have some iTunes worship going on. And it, whatever it'll be, we're going to do sidewalk Sunday schools. We're going to take what we have going across this wall where we're teaching the kids. We're going to go out to the communities around here. And we're going to start going out there. We're going to find people who want to do it with us. To go out there and make a difference. To tell these little kids, hey, you can know God too. That their parents can know God. That they'll drink from that living water and their lives will not be the same. We're going to be adding a permanent 9 a.m. service. I don't know when. There's no timetable on this stuff. Okay, the Saturday night service is going to come fast. But the rest of the stuff, we're going to have to add a 9 o'clock service. Because this is not going to be enough. And hey, if I've got one person who comes in and finds Jesus on a, Saturday, on a Sunday morning at 9 a.m. that they can't come at 11 o'clock, it's worth it. If I have to play iTunes and I have to run the board and do everything myself, I can do the slides from up here by myself. If I have to do that all for one person, guess what? It's worth it. But what about the harvest? Jesus said, look, the harvest is coming. The fields are white. I think you're going to see that a lot of people are going to come. We're going to start a Thursday night Bible study in Arlington. I've got a lot of intentionality been going on in Arlington. And they, it's a long drive to get here from Arlington. On a Sunday morning, when you're not used to being up at this time, we're going to start a Bible study in Arlington to see what God wants to do there. If it's one or two people, hey, one or two people, I think it's going to be more. I want to do a Dream Center on Northwest Highway. I'm telling you all, I'm just rolling out all the stuff. I haven't even had a chance to tell the elders yet, okay? I want to get with the elders this week so they would not be hearing it for the first time here and listening to it on the podcast. But guess what? I can't hold back what God is just, can you tell it's like inside of me? Can you, can you get it that it's like really excited inside of me? We're going to do a dream center on Northwest Highway. We're going to have a daycare facility for the girls who work in the strip clubs and who work in all the different places around there. And they don't know what, maybe they can't go work because their kid, they don't have somebody to watch their kid. We had someone that we watched their child for a couple of days that before us, they were letting that child stay in a flea bag motel, literally getting eaten by fleas at night, had bites all over the baby's legs. And the people were selling drugs out of that apartment. I, 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 I can tell you stories that you can't even fathom that I've heard. We want to start a place that they can have a place to find Jesus. We want to start a daycare facility here. These rooms are empty all during the week. We want to do something that's going to start reaching out into the community and say, hey, we're going to knock on some doors when we're doing sidewalk Sunday school and say, hey, guess what? We're going to have a pre VPK program, so you can bring your kid right before they go to kindergarten. You can bring them into the church. It's not going to cost you nothing because the government, it's a government program. I won't get into all the details of that. We're going to try and look at all these things to start the daycare center on Northwest Highway. So it's a dream center and it's a daycare center, but it's also there for the nighttime. It's a multi-use thing. I actually have someone who has a building that's thinking about letting us do that with them right now. 
future, I want to have a second church location that's streaming what we're doing live to that facility. So that all that stuff is all wrapped into one place. And so right now, they'd have a worship team down there, and they'd be watching us live down there. Technology is so simple. Can I just tell you just for one second? I know I'm a couple minutes over. Please give me just grace to finish this. We're using iPhones to record the video of this service. And Michael's doing a phenomenal job of, of editing this. You should go look at him, not even just listen to the message, but just look at how awesome Michael's doing. We have technology here today that is unreal of what we can do. The harvest is white. There's people all around. If they can't get here because it's 40 miles or it's 40 minutes to get from Arlington, hey, why don't we build another location sometime in the future and get a place in Arlington? We do the same thing. All the same resources that we're doing right now, we can have another church location there. I don't know when that'll be. I don't have timetables on all this stuff. But God, guys, can I just tell you, this is what's inside of me. This is what is just like bubbling up inside of me. Jesus says, look up. Because when people start finding the reality of who God is in their life, God's going to make difference. Remember, we're the well, not the water. You're the bucket. We can't do it without the bucket. The living water can be at the bottom of the well and nobody ever comes and drinks of it. Ain't nobody going to get anything from it. Next week's message is on anxiety. I know, I probably count on two hands without even thinking for very long. People that have talked to me that they have anxiety, they can't sleep at night, and they have panic attacks that come over them. And I've told a couple of them, they're like, I'm going to cancel everything and be there next week. And if they're here, don't go, oh, I guess it was you. Okay? But you know people too. You can be the bucket and say, hey, we're talking in my church next week about anxiety. Do you know anybody? Yeah, me. Well, you're welcome to come. I'll save you a seat. We have water out front. You might find some water while you're there. See, I'm asking you to take this journey with me because what we're doing as a church, helping people know God, find freedom, discover their purpose, make a difference. I want you to do all of these steps and then get to the making a difference part where you're really the bucket. And you know how that happens within this church, the model that we're doing? It comes in growth track, which starts tonight. Step one of the growth track is tonight. I just want to beg you as much as I can without begging you, but I beg you to be all in. Give us a little bit of time and just see what God does. Because you may be like that woman at the well where Jesus is saying, hey, he switched to something spiritual and she's still over here in the, the world that she only knows this. He's like, if you only knew, you'd be asking of me. I'm asking you to take this journey with us. If you'll bow your heads and close your eyes. Whether you're in this room, you're listening to the podcast or you're watching the videos. Maybe you would say right now, Pastor Kevin, I'm really far away from God. Or maybe you'd say, I once knew him, but now, not so much. Maybe you would say, I I, I know probably a lot about God, but 
as you're talking about really knowing God, I'm not too sure. Well, for you, today can be your day. Your next step could be being included in a prayer that we're going to pray. Because as I'm fighting feeling pretty yucky from this week of all the crud that's just going around that everybody's getting and could barely get out of bed yesterday and got an hour of sleep. If you can't tell that I'm passionate that I've had some living water, that I've had something that God has done in my life, that I'm telling you, taste and see that the Lord is good. That's a scripture in the Bible, but I would tell you the same thing. Try God. Give him 52 weeks of being all in and see what your life looks like a year from now. If that's you today, if you want to take that step, because you say, I'm far from God, maybe I've never known him or I've knew him at one time, but I'm going to give God a shot. I want this living water that you're talking about. I just ask you to raise your hand if you want to be included in this prayer. It's going to be really short. We're not going to embarrass anybody. We're not asking anybody to come up. Those of you who raised your hand, I just want you to pray this prayer. If we can all just say it out loud, we're just all going to be in this together so everyone feels comfortable. Just repeat after me. God in heaven, thank you for sending your son to die in my place, to pay for my sins, so I don't have to. I ask you to forgive me for living my life without you. Jesus, please forgive me. I surrender everything to you. Be the Lord of my life. Be number one. And the best way I know how, I'm going to live for you with all my heart. Today, I give you my life. Father God, I just thank you for everyone who prayed that prayer for the first time or renewed their commitment. Father God, for the people who are maybe even still on the fence and like, man, I'm not sure. Father, I just pray that you will continue to work on all of us. Lord, thank you that you didn't pick a perfect woman that was doing everything right. But you picked this woman at the well who had this checkered past who had things that would make most people say she's disqualified to be the one to show us that we can all be the buckets of your water. Father God, I pray for all of us that want to make the decision to be all in, that we want to be about the harvest of people. Father God, that we'll realize that heaven and hell are real places that there are really eternal decisions that are really significant and that we'll be about the harvest and that we won't be so caught up in the worldly things and the physical things of doing business that we miss the harvest of the people that are around us. Father, I give you all these words. I give you this passion. I give you the burningness inside of me, Lord, for this message. And I ask you to accomplish everything that your word is set in this word. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen.